Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Episode 189, Daredevil Season 2, Episode 6, Regrets Only. Hello and welcome back to Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and here I am traveling in the mobile command unit to go and report in Hell's Kitchen because we are going to be continuing our coverage of Daredevil Season 2. So what do we have in store for you this episode? Well, as usual, Daniel Butcher and I, as the two founders of the podcast, will be sharing our thoughts of what we thought of Regrets Only the first time we watched it when we were watching it and Netflix had just released it such a long time ago. We were young. Some might say foolish. Some might say impulsive, but we've grown in the days since then. And now here we are recording actual episodes about it a year later. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) uh, it's still fun to watch. It's fun to revisit. And it's been a fun conversation to have. Speaking of conversation, after that, Samantha and Stuart will both be joining me for the conversation about the episode. And then after the credits, we will have a discussion about the Spider-Man Homecoming trailer. So there's that to look forward to if you make it through the credits and stay in the theater. Which, by the way, can I just say that when I went and saw Kong Skull Island, people didn't stay for the mid-credit, post-credit sequence or whatever you want to call it. But, man, the movie is still running and the credits start rolling, but we're in the middle of a scene the middle of a scene and people are getting up to leave. It's like, oh, words on screen. Time for me to go. I, it was the weirdest thing. It, I can understand people not knowing that they want to stay through some of the credits, but come on, the, the movie's still going. There's a character on the screen who's still doing stuff. And yeah, okay. But enough about Kong Skull Island, which is related to the MCU, as we have talked about. But uh, it's time now to to go ahead and look at our first impressions of this episode way back when we first watched it and didn't know what was coming after it. Opening statements. So Daniel and I both called the hotline and left messages. And we only get to leave three minute messages uh, because that's where uh, Google Voice uh, cuts you off. And so if you've ever called into the show, uh, which we encourage you to do, in fact, uh, I don't just encourage it. I, I would implore you, please do so. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your voice and add other voices to the podcast. But anyway, you only get three minutes, and then a lady cuts you off if you call in the voicemail. And if you call in, we will stitch your two voicemails together. 
and maybe or maybe we'll play them back to back depending on how it goes but uh for me for daniel hmm, you know there's a little less grace and a little more legalism going on with it sometimes but you know past ben when he calls in he he expects special treatment it feels like sometimes and past daniel he's great he's just as good as, as present day daniel but past ben kind of uh well, we have a we have a rocky relationship. I think everyone has a rocky relationship with their past selves, including, uh, you know, Matt Murdock. But uh, anyway, I'm going to play Daniel's uh, voicemail from when he first watched this episode, Semper Fidelis. Agent Daniel here, Daredevil season two. We guests only. Uh, me, me. I don't know. Lecture doesn't do it for me. She just doesn't seem. And have the sort of morals that I tend to look for for a woman. Though she does have that fun-loving attitude. That's good. That's good. I don't know. I'm just not not feeling. I don't know what to say. All right. Peace out. Later. Bye. Later. Bye. That was past Daniel. Short and sweet and to the point. But how do you really feel about Electra, Daniel? How do you really feel about her? Well, here's past Ben. Let's see what he has to say about uh, about this episode. Hey there, future Ben. Hey there, future whoever. And maybe, hey there, future Daniel. I mean, if you're there or not. I don't know if you're listening. I don't know if you're going to hear this. I don't know what's going on. Uh, future Ben, I hope you're happy because you get to have the the easy seat right the the easy chair if you would the lazy boy that's you lazy boy who gets to just sit back and enjoy talking to guests but i'm sitting back here and sitting back in time and i'm just not sure what's going on i i it's it's not it's an uneasy chair it's a chair where i don't know where the chair is going uh not the chair is going anywhere unless you're in the Howard the Duck movie. I just referenced Howard the Duck. I should be talking about Daredevil. Look what you've t- look what you've put me, Future Ben. Anyway, uh, let's see. Lawyering, lots of lawyering going on in this episode. Again, nice to see the superhero stuff, but also very nice to see the lawyer stuff because that's who Matt Murdock is. He's a lawyer, first and foremost, or second and form. He's a lawyer and a superhero. They're doing both. It's good to see him doing both. It's good to see he's good at both. But he has to find that fine line of of where uh, you know lawyering stops and superheroing begins because uh, he, he's got a big case coming. And so I'm curious. But this isn't like an episode where you just you know like the the one where it ended with Electra you know pulling her mask up that was kind of cool or the one that acted, ended with Electra sitting in the chair that was kind of cool. Um, you know we kind of got so far. You know, we had the four episodes where Punisher was the bad guy, and he had this arc that took him to the cemetery. And now we're kind of in the Electra arc, and it's kind of nice to see you know these kind of mini arcs within this this larger series. Of course, it all comes back to Punisher for Matt, where he is looking in a mirror at Punisher, but then he also has Punisher and Electra kind of have similar uh, mo's. Sim- you know, well, I guess no, because Electra, it's, for her, it's a thrill. For Punisher, it's a, you know, he has to do it. It's a calling. And then for Daredevil, he's kind of caught in between a little bit. So it's kind of nice to see these reflections of his personality or, or reflections of his character. Anyway, 
And then, so you've got, um, he's, he's doing the stuff with Electra. He, oh, the, the whole lawyering thing where, uh, Punisher said not guilty. Uh, you know what, you know what I say? Not surprised. <laughs> uh, it's just not as funny when future Daniel's not there to stand up for me. Um, I, I really, you know, oh, uh, they name checked. Was it this episode or was it the last episode? They name checked Jessica Jones. That was cool. Oh, well. Uh, talk to you later, future Ben. Of course, it's always later when I talk to you because you're in the future. Hmm. Not so short, not so sweet, not so to the point. But <laughs> at least there was kind of a point there. So, and past Ben, you don't know this and you're not going to hear this, but. All right, so Samantha and Stuart are going to join me now for the more in-depth and actual episode discussion after I play the sounder just about now. Case evidence. Okay, so we're back. And again, uh, as I said before, I'm not alone. I am here with Agent Lestu from DeUP. Hey. And Agent Samantha, who has no nickname. <laughs> so, sorry about that. But I don't um, know. Should we go with the ninja sort of thing? Sure. <laughs> Agent Samantha, ninja in training. So, and, and me. Okay. <laughs> and Agent Me, who is myself. So, and I. Yeah. Yeah. So regrets only. This is weird. Can I just say this? We're not going to talk about Iron Fist, but I do want to say this. It's weird jumping back and forth between season two of Daredevil and Iron Fist episodes. Like the new and the old. It's it's just kind of a not quite surreal experience, but it is kind of strange. So just wanted to throw that mm-hmm. out there that. Yeah, seeing the different ninja action happening. Yeah, and when we get to Iron Fist, I have a lot to talk about it, actually. Oh. Even, even though as little as I know about it, I actually have quite a bit to say, and it's not all bad. I've got lots of good and bad to say. And... In a year, we can do that. <laughs> In the summer! Yeah. It's this summer. This summer. Oh, this summer. Happening. This, this yeah. summer, we have Luke Cage and Iron Fist. That's pretty much our summer plans right there. And, and, and some movies. Get, and... and we have to... Get that all. Get what? And we have to get that all done before uh, before Defender comes out. Yeah, and then there's Inhumans, <laughs> and then oh man, so oh, yeah, Inhumans is is in September. Yeah, yeah. The one thing we're, we're at, I, uh, we haven't heard about is Agents of Shield. What's happening with them next no, next season? Mm. So we. Could end up after Inhumans runs their what eight episodes and <laughs> with, with nothing. Like, oh, okay, here we are. Remember when we were going through Netflix like Mad Men and Women? Uh, yeah. Okay, so here we are talking about regrets only. And as usual, to keep people in the loop, we're going to go through the plot and then we're going to discuss the important topics that we want to discuss. And I I don't know what the important topics will be for Stuart and Samantha. I barely know what the important topics will be for me, but let's talk about this. So 
the episode begins, you know, last episode ended with uh, Yakuza coming to Electra's home. And this episode begins with some guys on motorcycles driving along and they're playing music and they get to where they're going. And it turns out that they're goons and they they enter Electra's place. They get assaulted by Daredevil and Electra. We get a cool and brutal fight that ends with Electra quipping hungry. And we get to the credits, come back from the credits, and they're eating because they were hungry, I guess. And Matt tries to talk with her about you know real things and takes away her pie until she decides to actually talk. And uh, she reveals that she came because she figured out he's Daredevil and she's unhappy because Roxanne has her money and has ties to crime. And she wants to partner with him to take down the Yakuza. And he's not interested but he agrees as long as no one dies. Then he goes to meet with Frank Castle and he and Foggy and Karen, um, they, they, it's an open and shut case basically that's going to result in, in Castle being executed. And so they're going to take his defense and negotiate a plea deal. Now Foggy is not into this because he's wondering, is this about saving a man or saving a vigilante? But Matt values life and no one's going to die. That's what he wants. And so they go to the hospital to try and get Frank Castle to uh, take them as his lawyers. And they run into Brett, who's received a promotion. And he reluctantly lets them in, but gives them strict behavioral instructions. Inside, they convince Frank that they're on the same side, mainly because Karen has the picture that she took from his house. And then they convince Reyes to let them represent Frank because they have the law on their side when it comes to her bullying tactics and the things that she's done would get revealed. But when they begin to talk strategy, a driver comes to the, the offices to take Matt away. Um, on his way out, Matt and Karen accidentally reveal to Foggy that they are a thing. And then Karen walks Matt out, leaving Foggy behind. And then Karen and Foggy go to Frank's hospital room, but he'll only talk to Karen. With Foggy gone, he begins to open up to her, and she asks him about the day his family was killed, but he only has vague memories of it and vague memories of his life before. And she verbally walks him through his house, and grateful for her help with her with his memory, they, they get to business and talk about some other things. And Foggy gets some great news. The death penalty is off the table because he has been able to plea, make get the plea deal from Reyes Death penalty is off the table. They can make a deal for a life sentence with possible parole in 25 years if he pleads guilty. He doesn't. Electra, meanwhile, is waiting in the car for Matt's help. And when Matt comes, she demands that he go with her to a gala party where she's going to steal a key card so they can find Roxanne's secret illegal stuff. In the party, Matt spills a drink on the host's white tux, and when the host goes to clean it in the bathroom, Matt attacks and gets the key card, and they sneak around in these secret office things and find nothing until they open a secret panel in the wall, and then they find the secret rocks on Ledger, but they have also been found out, and that means that they're going to have to fight their way out, and they do, and they're also going to have to trick their way out, and they do by making out and pretending to be drunk. In the ledger, they find invoices for drugs and human trafficking, but something else is in that ledger, and it's in code. And what could be in code in a book with all this illegal stuff in it already? What could be worse than that? 
And then Matt returns to find Foggy, who is very upset because Frank is going to trial in a week and they have to prepare. And that is our episode. So what do you got? What do you want to talk about here? I mean, I've, I've got a couple things. So I could start, but if you've got something pressing, let's let's jump into it. Okay, first off, I just want to mention that if Daniel were here, I need to I feel like it is my responsibility to mention this because Daniel is not here. Okay. There was a heroes reference. What? Was there? There was a heroes reference. May not have been direct. It may just be me connecting dots that aren't actually there. All right. But when they were um tricking all the cameras and, and, you know, she put the thing up and the camera looped and all that sort of stuff that one of the Japanese techs who was in there doing it, his name was Hiro, H-I-R-O. And he wears glasses and he was looking at a screen. That's a hero's connection. <laughs> okay. Lewis. I'll take it, but I will say that Hiro is actually a pretty common Japanese name. So. You just, I'm not sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. And no one's one's asking you to be sorry. So, okay. (laughs) Okay. Now that that's out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) So this is what, what I found interesting about this episode was in both of Matt's situations that he has going on here. uh, He wants no one to die. Like he'll help Electra. But no one dies and he'll help Frank because he doesn't want Frank to die because Reyes has this. Uh, They can extradite Frank Castle to another state that has the death penalty because he's connected some murders there. And that's bad news, obviously. But when the lawyers get involved and we do have um, a scene with them meeting with uh, Frank Castle's, uh, what do they call that? The... The, the lawyer that they assign to the case, public defender. Oh, his public defender. Uh, yeah. yeah. They have, they have that scene with the public defender and basically Reyes has it all locked up. She has everything in place and this is going to be really helpful for her politically. And I think honestly, that's foggy's motivation. Like he is not interested in helping Frank castle. Frank castle tried to kill his friends, both of his friends and killed one of their clients and everything. But if they, if they help Frank, they're sticking it to Reyes. And, and I I think foggy is more than happy to do that. I think he's also scared too. I mean, he, he, at one point in time, he expresses the fact that they're basically stepping onto the biggest stage they've ever seen. Um, And this is a huge thing for their firm. Yeah, no, it's uh, there's a lot of reasons for him to fear. I mean, he he's feeling more confident when he's dealing with Reyes, Mm -hmm. but he's still afraid of Frank Castle Mm -hmm. at at this point. Frank is not a man to him. Frank is a a killer. Well, he's the punisher. Yeah, he's a monster. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's I, I would be a little scared, too, if I was foggy. Foggy spends most of season two just scared, scared, <laughs> and then adrenalized. So the fear just and scared. Yeah. And, and then scared again. Yeah. Well, he's um, scared, but he's he's facing his fear. So that makes him courageous, too, because courage mm-hmm. is basically fear. But you're not running. You're facing it. 
Yeah, you know, I'm really happy with what they're doing with Foggy, Karen, and Matt in this season and allowing Foggy to have the stuff to do that he has to do that's actually character stuff. It's not just plot stuff. And for Karen, mm-hmm. a lot of what she's doing is plot stuff, but it's driven plot stuff, you know, mm-hmm. where she's actually making these choices and good or bad, she's making these choices and they seem natural for the story to go there because of the characters she has. And then when it does go there, uh, it helps push along the plot that they want to push along. But it's, I'm, I'm loving really what they're doing with foggy Karen and Matt, not loving necessarily the relational stuff that's going on. Um, yeah, but they're, I'll give them this. They do some really good, relational visuals in this uh when they go into frank's room the first time uh they they frame a shot of matt and karen's hands and they just their their fingers touch and then they clasp hands they go into the room and then they frame the shot of their hands again where they let go and in between them we can see kind of out of focus in the background frank and Mm. it's it's a really interesting shot, but it does kind of get into some ideas here of Frank kind of getting in between uh, Karen and, and Matt a little bit. And then you have, is he, well, go ahead. Is he really though? I mean, because I kind of feel like Karen and Matt are on the same page of <laughs> Karen and Matt are on the yeah. same page of trying to keep, you know, Frank alive. They they are, but Frank is drawing Karen's attention while ah. Electra is going to be drawing Matt's attention. And it's not a love triangle with Frank, but it is something where she she's being drawn to Frank in a different way than than Matt is. And she wants to protect mm. him for different reasons than what Matt does. And we're. I, I think there's some foreshadowing in this in that frame of 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 film there. Uh the other thing that is really nice is when uh they accidentally kind of physically reveal to Foggy that they're a thing. And he's just, wait, so you're a thing, you know, and then they're well, blah blah blah, you know, we're not we're not labeling it. And and then you get this really nice shot of them, they leave and, and there's Foggy just by himself. You know, and it's again, it's, it's kind of a visualization, uh, of a plot moment, but also a visualization of, uh, a relational moment that's, that's happening there. And yeah. Yeah. Makes me sad. It does, but because they built up to it, yeah. they, they gave us some incredibly good moments of the three of them together earlier in this season. Right. So when things start falling apart, it's a tragedy because you know it's going to happen. You can't stop it. They can't stop it. It's going to happen. And it's it's sad because we saw them happy together. Hanging you know? out at Josie. Right. Yeah. You know, I sort of love and I also sort of dis... I mean, since I've been talking to you, Ben, I sort of also am starting to dislike the tension that the relationship between Karen and Matt is creating in the threesome because as a as a law team, 
they are extremely strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all and um, it's sort of a cliche to throw love into a relationship, into a business relationship on screen, and that doesn't always happen in real life. But even even the law relationship is starting to break down too. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, he's you. You start to see Matt get pulled away by various things. You start to see him, you know, miss calls, miss. Uh, planning sessions, he's not in there to talk about. Um, he's there for like the big hitting things, but he's not in there for the minutia. He's not in there for the game plan, the day-to-day game plan stuff. He's keeping secrets again. Yeah, and that's yeah. no bueno. No, it's not. And he's keeping secrets from everyone. But not only that, yeah, the the law team itself is doing well because they're good at what they do and they're on each other's side. And they have mm-hmm. each other's backs. And yeah, Foggy doesn't necessarily want him doing the Daredevil thing, but he's living with it because, you know, Matt just has this whole Catholic guilt with great power comes great responsibility, blah, 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 superhero guilt. But now they're in a situation where they're taking on a case that Foggy doesn't want to take on. But Matt is also being pulled away by the quote unquote new client the one who gave the money, you know, and, hmm. um, and so he, yeah, he's there when they take on the case and then he's gone for the rest of the night. And it's, yeah, it, it's a relational. I, I can't say the word that Daniel would use, but it's, it's a relational mess. It's, <laughs> it's not cool. And yeah, Matt is not handling his relationships. Well, none of them. He's handling no, none of them no. well. And I think that's the thing that, that irks me the most about this love triangle that my, Matt finds himself in is he is not handling it well at all. And none of them, none, none of them. And he's not doing it well. And you just want to take him aside and be like, dude, come on, let's get this right. The guy's self-aware though. He's self-aware that he knows that he messes things up. I mean, he's already admitted as much. He doesn't want to mess up that perfect evening they had together. He and Karen, because he's just really good at taking whatever's good in his life and messing it up. And he's now proving it (laughs) because again, you know, he is not cheating on Karen with Electra, but because of the secrets and the lies he is cheating on, on Karen with Electra. Yeah. It's not a relationship with Electra at this point. There's no physicality that he's, you know, he's not like he's kissing another woman or anything like that, but it might as well be. Yeah. Well, you know, cheating begins in the heart, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. that. That's where, that's where it begins. And so he's getting, he's getting pulled away. Although, I do sometimes feel like Matt is dating Karen and daredevil is dating elect is dating Electra. Yes. It's two. It's the same person, but he's got two different personalities. It's almost like he's, you it's know, almost Dr. like Dr. Batman Jackson returns. Mr. Oh, <laughs> almost except it might be a little bit better than Batman returns. Well, <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, he's not dancing with her to Susie and the Banshees, so there's that. That's true, and <laughs> and there's no penguin in this at all. No. No, 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 well, maybe I mean you could maybe cast Frank Castle in that in that role, but not really. No. Maybe no. No, let's not compare Frank Castle to the Penguin because they're <laughs> very two completely different characters. I will just so I, was- I will just say Batman Returns is an underrated classic. I do love Batman Returns. You, Ben, you do like to fall on your swords. Let me just say that. This is one, man. I will die on this hill, my friend. And Samantha's with me, dying on the hill with me, right? Right. Yes. I am leading to your death. It has been forever since I've seen Batman Returns. Forever. Well. I think I saw it when it came out. Um, I have it on DVD. I wish I lived near you because I would totally run it over to your house so you would watch it. I don't think I'd watch it. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I would make you watch it. Okay. Um, so did you guys notice that there was no Daredevil costume at all in this episode? No, the superhero stuff was all in a tux. Yeah. And, yeah, and it was sort of like the superhero, um, you know, uh, uh, I forget the word for him. Independent samurai, but um, the Ronin. 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 Yes, thank you. A Ronin. Uh, it, it was, was sort a of. Movie. It was sort of like that was set aside, so the James Bond version. Yeah. Could come in. Yeah. Or the Ocean's <laughs> Eleven. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was definitely like a, a a spy caper sort of episode. The only thing it was Although, missing was when they are talking about what their plan is. And then as they're talking about what their plan is, we actually see the plan in motion. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the only thing it was that's missing. Ve- but that's very 1970s style. Yeah. And Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> And, and Ocean's Eleven, and all no, the heist, it, all the heist movies that came after that, when they said, "Hey, it was great in Ocean's Eleven, oh, and Ocean's Eleven was saying, "Yeah, it was great back in the day too." But <laughs> so there, there was one superhero, and he was wearing his his um his outfit, his costume. Did you guys catch it, Samantha? Did you catch it? Oh goodness! Because you you named the superhero I Rhetoric did. Man. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Rhetoric Man is back. He is back, and he totally saved the day. Well, he did yeah. it all. He he did all the stuff with Reyes. It's off camera, though. How how tragic is that? That his, his uh, confrontation with Reyes, the plea deal with Reyes, all off camera. Well, yeah. I, I think the important one is with Castle, though. Okay, Where yeah. he... Where he really, you know, because the Reyes thing is kind of, it's kind of, it's supposed to be off. It's kind of a non-step, right? The important step is for him to to convince Castle to let them to let them talk to him. The thing with Reyes was just to get them to court faster. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's really Karen the one that convinces Frank um, that maybe he should try to fight um reyes so, yeah so i don't know maybe 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 he had been planning it all the time and when reyes walked into the room it really got his blood boiling i think i, I think frank was planning on doing everything that they had set up for him to do until reyes gets in there 
I, I really okay. do. I think you're right about that. I, I think he was going to go along, plead guilty, and then Reyes comes in and he is just thinking, no, no, I can't do this. And I might be wrong, though, because there is with him and and Karen, there is this whole idea of let's get to the truth. Let's get to the truth. Yeah. And if he pleads guilty, that is not the truth. I mean, technically, the guilty part is the truth. But by pleading not guilty, they're able to get to have more truth aired. More truthitudes. Right. It makes me wonder if there is something connecting Reyes to all of the murders, all of the gangland murders, like connecting Reyes to that – a carousel thing with his family. Like she's a dirty cop somehow or something of that nature. And I don't remember to be completely honest. Um, well, we'll find out. Not. We will well, find, find out. out. Not dirty cop, but dirty lawyer. You, you know, there's an old joke that, you know, um, what do you have when you have a thousand lawyers at the bottom of the ocean? It's a good start. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> But yeah, so she's and, a, well, a dirty it lawyer. It is 2017. We should have abolished all lawyers by now. <laughs> and and Star Trek. No, not, no, no, Back to the back Future, future too. No, don't you remember? No. Star Trek: The Next no. Generation pilot episode where they have the fake trial, and he's like, "What is it?" Shakespeare said, "Kill all the lawyers," and you did, or something like that. Uh, oh yeah. No 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 no. Wait 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 wait. When did Back to the Future Part Two? When was that released? Oh, it was in high school. So eighty eight, eighty nine, ninety yeah, somewhere in there. Be- I think so. It was right before. Uh, right before you know, Next Generation. Next Generation was oh. first. I would almost guarantee. You want me to check? I would stake my reputation no. on it, but that's not uh, saying much. So. Okay. Take it. Fine. Take it for what it's worth. But it's kind of beside the point because we is need to the, talk about Daredevil. Yeah, this is a serious. Is there trail. anything else in the episode <laughs> that we, need to, we need to cover? Yeah, you know. Right, fine, I will look. You guys keep talking. I will look it up. <laughs> what do you think about the line where Frank says to Karen, "You weren't in any danger. I only hurt people who deserve it, and I wanted you to know that." Uh, and then he talks about you know being a sniper, one one shot, one kill. If I wanted you dead, you'd be dead. And do you, I don't know. There's, there's a part of me that knows, yeah, that's his intention, but I still, if that's his intention, his methods, he has a lot of trust in his own ability, I guess that he's not going to hurt anyone who's innocent. My, okay. So this, there's a couple of parts to this. Um, one it goes back to his code, right? We've talked about this before. First episode, he doesn't shoot the Renacop. Mm-hmm. Shoots everybody else, but doesn't shoot the Renacop. Um, so that, so definitely, his moral code has something to say to that. Two, I mean, it, they don't make just Joe Schmo off the street. You know, these these super sniper rifle guys, um, scout sniper, I think is what he called it. Yeah. So these guys go through a lot of training. And a lot of uh, forging of your abilities under fire. And so I do believe that he trusts his ability and trusts his moral code. Now, 
Can he trust the fact that there may be collateral damage? I don't know. Can he trust the fact that if he accounted for the wind, you know, he was targeting Grotto in this in the second episode or first episode. A right moving car. This. It's a moving right. car. And so can he trust that he's not going to hit, you know, a window or something? The bullet's going to ricochet weird or something like that. So for him to say, yes, you were never in any danger, I think is hubris. But I think it's founded. I think it's, you know, I think it's grounded. I think he truly believes that she wasn't in any danger. Whether or not she actually was is a different story. Well, and I'm just going to say, I mean, we've, we've seen his skills or whatever. He definitely intended not to hurt her. He did not want to put her in any danger. But his methodology then is awful. Oh. Because... I know he's going after Grotto, but he is busting up a hospital and disrupting medical procedures and causing Mm -hmm. really an evacuation type of situation. Mm -hmm. And there are innocent people being put in danger. And so this is why, I mean, they are making the case for Frank and his moral code and the things that he's doing and the people he's going after. They're making a very good case for it. But, but he is a real, he's his own problem in this situation. He is not doing much for his cause. And it's just, he is not a hero. I mean, I, I'll put it out there right now. I don't think he's a hero. I think he is a, he's misguided, but He's got some real problems with methodology that are really you. He's well, okay. he's you can't he's shoot an antihero. Yeah, but you, well, he, even in, as an antihero, he can say you were never in danger. I only hurt people who deserve it. But there was a lot of collateral damage that would have been avoided if he had not gone to the hospital. Is Hulk a hero? Hulk is different. Hulk, I hold to a different. Uh, standard because of cognitive ability <laughs> really True. so so yeah. you're saying the fact that uh when bruce banner hulks out he can't um he's he's right he's raging basically on instinct and so therefore yeah yep he he's allowed to destroy new york <laughs> yeah yeah no i i i think it's okay. a different situation um i mean i the line is not between Punisher and Hulk, the line is between Punisher and Daredevil and which side does, does Daredevil lean in on Punisher's side of the equation or does Punisher lean in on Daredevil's side of the equation? Daredevil has a code that does, he goes out of his way not to hurt people. The other, but so speaking of that, I think, um, and I just, this just occurred to me, the line that they have around, Frank Castle's bed. Yeah. Don't cross the line. Don't cross the line. Don't give him anything. Um, the, there's metaphor in that, you know, uh-huh. when Matt walks right up to it and Foggy pulls him back. Foggy says, wait, Matt, there's the line. Yeah. You know, and the fact that Matt stops literally on the line, I think is um, there's metaphor there. I mean, it it's symbolic of the way. Foggy pulls Matt back from all of this all the time. 
But then you notice. Yeah, but I also noticed that uh, Karen did cross the line. They don't yeah. show it, but if you look she at where she's standing in relation to the chair, she did cross the line. No, she, she had to. She did. Yes, she absolutely did. And didn't quite give him something, but came really close to it. Like she pulls right. out that picture and hands it to him. Yeah, but she also, I think she, she gave him hope. She, so she did, she did give him something. Yeah, she, yeah, she had to take the picture back. But yeah, I think you're right. She did give him hope. Um, yeah, but I, I stand by <laughs> the hospital thing was a really poor choice for Punisher. But here's yeah. the other thing I'll give it is the poor choice that Frank Castle makes here. The poor choices that Karen makes, the poor choices that Matt makes, the poor choices that Electra makes. All of these poor choices are character driven and they go along with what the character would do. There are some poor choices and some other things that I've been watching recently that just <laughs> feel like they're just dumb and it's plot poor choices. It's poor choices because we need the plot to take us there and we need to get people from this thing to that thing. And that means they're going to make some bad choices, but here it doesn't feel all that way. Matt's poor choices are part of him battling a self-destructive personality. And this idea of if you know, with, when I'm with Electra, I feel more alive, even though he's leaning more in toward doing things he knows he should not do. But Karen, her poor choices are because she's just, she's dealing with her own demons and she's driven to, to help someone who she thinks needs help. And Frank's poor choices, revenge. I mean, he's got a clouded mind. He's very logical and he's very good at what he does. He's the best at what he does. And what he does isn't very pretty, but he, he's blinded by the drive for vengeance. So I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm saying he's making poor choices. Yes, that's obvious. But at the same time, I feel like these are well-written poor choices. Oh, yes. absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So, okay. anything else? Uh, so on, oh, okay, you've got our answer. <laughs> I have the dates. Yes, Next Generation was 87. Back to the Future Part 2 was 89. Okay. Okay. So, we'd had to suffer through Pulaski before we got Back to the Future Part 2. Suffer uh, through Pulaski? What are you... You... I... I don't even know you, Stuart. I don't even know you. I liked her, but I just wish she was on a different ship. <laughs> I liked her, and I wish she had stayed around. Brought you come back. You take that back. No, cannot. No. Anyway, so anything else on your lists of of things you want to talk about for this episode? Um, we've gotten into some good theme stuff and. Mm. I, I think we've covered really the two or three things that I really wanted to get into. And yeah. So I wanted to make sure we didn't pass over things for you guys. All right. Uh, do you want to talk about uh, Matt and Electra a little bit more or. Yeah, let's um, do it. Matt and Electra. Uh, or, or should we save it for next episode? Hmm. The stuff that happens here is she's still manipulating. Yeah. She's oh, but oh, here is one important thing from this episode. Um, the Roxxon Corporation 
uh, they don't don't say who they are, but there is confirmation that the Roxxon is not controlled by the Yakuza. That is yes, that's right. Because he, the 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 old guy says, "You think I'm a?" Basically, it's cute that you think I'm a Yakuza. <laughs> and not only that, he has a box. Oh. <laughs> he has that box, and he opens it up, and there's fingers in there. Right. Yeah, and you know what fingers are part of? Oh, I'll have to save it for later because I just connected it with something else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's possibly it, a connection. It's a spoiler, I can't. I can't yeah. talk about it yet. <laughs> Manos, the hand of fate. Is that what it's connected to? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Stuart. Well, then let's head over. Uh, We don't have any feedback for this episode, so we're just going to go to our final statements. Final verdict. Okay, so four. Regrets only. How many um, secret hidden ledgers out of five do you give this episode? (laughs) If you're not ready, I can start. Because I know what I'm going to give it. I'm going to give this a solid four secret hidden ledgers out of five. I am shocked and amazed that you would give it a solid four. Yeah. You know, I'm going to give it four and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to go. I'm going to buck the trend a little bit. I'm going to go three and a half. I'm going to take three good ledgers (gasps) and rip some pages out of a fourth one. Okay. I and I feel like you know just here's the justification time. Um, the writing is good. The direction is good. The direction is excellent. Um, I love what they're doing as far as stuff. What they're doing with the characters, like I said, the writing. I just am upset with Matt. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, technically it should probably be a four or a five, but I'm so upset with Matt that. I can't, in good faith, justify this episode. I, and see, for me, I kind of have this baseline now where four is just the Netflix series are just on that level. And there are some episodes that do go above, but it's just high quality the whole way around. And when they very much, when they go with a higher quality, that's when I'll go more than four. Um, in this season, I don't know if I'm going to go lower than four on anything. Uh, I can tell you right now, <laughs> spoiler alert, but this summer I'll be going lower, lower than four on, on some things. <sighs> and it's not that I don't like them, but there are some that cannot go as high as a four. I'm just going to say that. And I'm not going to say which series I'm talking about, but you know, you can probably figure it out. Uh, if, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've got uh, because i'm in the middle it's just such a weird place we're at right now where we're watching both at the same time uh but i can't go there I, i'm not going there i'm holding okay. back okay samantha okay. you yes you justify your four and a half because we justify ours yeah 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 why um, why four um, and a half well, all of the character stuff with Frank, but also all the fun espionage caper stuff with Electra. It was just a fun episode. It was, and it was a fun episode, and it was also very 
character driven driven mm-hmm. and it it was really good <laughs> yeah hey oh and by the way when we get to um a uh in the future i have already <laughs> selected for a certain series in the future i have selected my own rating system okay <laughs> and i will explain when we get to it well we'll get there we will get there that is a promise that we will might keep <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but we'll do it. But we're going to do it. Uh, oh, hey, I'm going to remember it, believe me. <laughs> Samantha, remember how apparently I said something about liking Matt and Electra together more than I like Karen and Matt together? Uh, again, not denying I said it, but really regretting that I said it if I did. Um, <laughs> this is what I remembered of Matt and Electra. I remembered this episode and them fighting together not fighting each other, but fighting on the same side together more than I remembered that episode that shows us all their background together. I mean, I remember. I, yeah, I I do not disagree at all on that point. When it comes to a fighting team, they are very strong, but when it comes to relational, they are very weak because they are morally opposite. Yeah. But this is what this, this episode in particular, I just remember them doing well together and, that's why I would have said that, I think. I, I hope. <laughs> so Right. Okay, well, that wraps up another episode then. I have some final words I would like to leave our audience with. But before I do, do you have anything you'd like to say to our audience uh, by way of goodbyes and thank yous and whatevers and whatnots? So long. Farewell. I'll be this. I'd like to say that I too love '90s Top 40. Uh, it, yeah, <laughs> you. I actually have made mixed CDs and mixed playlists that I still have, and I still listen to on a regular regular basis of '90s Top 40. Love Shack. It's, it's a great song. <laughs> <laughs> and and I just want to say that you know, doing this podcast, we have to be very careful. We, we have to be very careful because we're putting ourselves out there, you know, and, and I, I got a question actually for you guys. Uh, I'm just wondering, does this much spotlight concern anyone else? I mean, we're about to step onto a big proscenium stage here. And how do I know what proscenium means? Because I did theater in summer camp. Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcometolevel7, or by following us on Twitter, where we are level7pod. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh at our clean comedy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Godspeed.
and go. I too went to theater summer camp. <laughs> well, I didn't go to theater summer camp, but I went to church summer camp. Did you do theater and... in it? Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. It counts. It counts. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. So, so Ben, there was a trailer that dropped this week. I don't I'm the know. news guy. I got to talk about this. I don't know what the trailer is that you're talking about, but I saw a movie this week. I saw Spider-Man Homecoming. And it oh, was yeah. a, a movie. Yeah, I saw the movie. It was a lot shorter than I was expecting, though. <laughs> I was expecting it to be. You know, maybe two hours, two fifteen, something like that. But it came oh. in at like two minutes and fifteen seconds. And <laughs> you know, it was a good movie. It had a beginning, it had a middle, it had an end. It kind of left you a little bit, uh, you know, left you a little hanging. Maybe for the next movie or something. You know, they didn't resolve everything, but they came close to it. And yeah, I, I, I. I was amazed that we were able to get a sneak peek at the at the movie before it came out, but and that they released the whole thing on YouTube, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I would have expected them to at least have put it on iTunes and try, you know, to to get people to buy Make some it. Money off yeah, of it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but maybe they're they're hoping that people will watch the first one for free, and then they'll go to the second one or something like that. Maybe. Oh. So this trailer <laughs> reminded me of um, the the Winter Soldier trailer. And why is that? Now this is spoilers. If if you haven't seen Winter Soldier, oh. why are you listening to this podcast? Wait, 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 wait. wait. Uh, spoilers also yeah. though for Spider Man Homecoming because I am not kidding when I say that trailer spoils a lot. If you have not well, seen the trailer and do not want to be spoiled. First of all, don't listen to what we're going to talk about. Second of all, don't watch that trailer. It ruins some moments. And I'm hoping that they're early moments. It's quite possible because I've seen some trailers like that where I thought, oh, I just saw the whole movie. And then, no, I just saw the first act of the movie. But Well, th <sighs> this is what I'm talking about with Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier trailer, I thought the whole time, you know, Robert... Uh, What's his name? The old guy is talking to Cap. I thought, or talking, I thought he was talking to Captain America. No, he's talking to Bucky. And he's saying, you were, uh, uh, you know, your time has come to come back into the world and all that sort of stuff. I mean, this is what we expected. No, he's Hydra. It's bad. World is shaking. So I kind of think that maybe something's going to be a little bit different than the trailer, the trailer and the movie are going to be a little bit different. I'm hoping crossing my fingers, but it does spoil a number of elements. And, uh, one is you see vulture full on. I mean, that's kind of cool. Uh, but that's, that's candy taste. That's Hey, Hey, you like this. Hey, remember, you, remember green goblin. You like that. This you see, like you see why the boat is split in half. You see Spider-Man with his webs, but then you also see how Spider-Man with his webs is able to save everyone on the boat. Iron Man comes and helps. I mean, you see these things and you see this whole the, the character arc. There's a character arc there for Spider-Man in this trailer alone. It, it's it goes uh, it reveals a lot. It's not a well done trailer. I'll say this, though, the stuff it reveals makes me say this will be a good movie. 
<laughs> yeah. So I'm as much as I'm complaining about, you know, I saw so much happen in this movie because of this trailer, it also gives me confidence that we're going to get a a, a solid installment of Spider Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then they can take him away again. You know what, though? That's because there's there's an article that came out recently revealing that the contract between Marvel and Sony, as far as making Spider-Man stuff, goes into a sequel for Spider-Man. And that's it. After that, Sony... That's all their contract is, yeah. Yeah, that's all their contract mm-hmm. is. So Spider-Man's going to be in, what, Infinity Warp, probably. But, and then he'll have Homecoming and he'll have a sequel. But that's it for the MCU. And I'm okay with that. Well, that's fine okay, by so me. As long, as long as they keep Tom Holland as Spider-Man, that means that all of the Sony MCU stuff, Sony cinematic Spider-Man universe, whatever they're going to call it, that's all MCU too. Yes and no. I mean, if they really pull away and do things that, that don't allow us to fit it in because of continuity and stuff like that, then, then maybe not. But at the same time, I think you're right. Stuart is, it's the same guy I mean, they, and he's just in a corner of the universe that we're not going to look at. And we just won't see Iron Man in those Sony alone movies. Right. Unless, you know, money makes a big comeback into this. <laughs> Yeah. Money solves a lot of problems. Well, we'll just or have to unless wait they re- Or unless they reboot the Spider-Man franchise again. Now, if they uh, do that, I'm going to not be happy. I didn't like it. The, I didn't like the first reboot. I thought they should have. I mean, I mean, the when they rebooted it the first time, I thought they should have just left it alone. I like Tobey Maguire and I like the whole cast and I like the crew set up and uh, I, I was not happy. But then we got Andrew Garfield and he was different and he was fun. Mm hmm. And but four times in 20 years is ridiculous. It would be ridiculous. Yeah. James Bond is an example, though, where it worked. And you had Sean Connery, Roger Moore and George Lazenby in, you know, quick succession. Not in that order, but um, it it worked. Um, Once again, Ben Avery, you are right. Yes, Ben Avery is right. I felt like I just had to say that. The difference is they weren't trying to keep a continuity, though. Mm. They, they weren't working as hard to keep the continuity, but they were they were keeping a continuity. I mean, you go George Lazenby, his one movie, and then the next movie after that is referring directly to events that happened in his movie. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, there's... There is a back then it was a different kind of continuity that they were keeping, but it, it still worked. You know, it, it was still the same character. He wasn't a time lord yet, or <laughs> a, a, you know, or a, yeah. You want to talk about rebooting? Oh. <laughs> yeah, but that works for Doctor Who, okay? And that's uh, uh, probably the only franchise that it does. Yeah, I would disagree. I think James Bond it works really well. I, yeah, but they don't. They Doctor don't talk Who, it's about a the regeneration and James Bond, right? And then you get into these weird continuity situations where they reference another movie 
but there's no way that that movie is part of the same continuity as, you know, like the Daniel Craig stuff. Um, right. it's, it's like, how can you reference something? If, if the Daniel Craig movies are like him starting his career, then how can you reference something from a movie that happens later in his career that hasn't happened? It's just, you yeah. just have to really take it with a grain of salt and, and just say, it, it doesn't matter if it's good. <laughs> right. So. And Doctor Who does have its own continuity issues too, but that oh. can also be explained away with, you know, yeah. different timelines yeah. and changing of events. Anyways, yeah. and they do a nice job though of the the actor change is obviously a part of the mythos, and yes. and it's an exciting part of the mythos in some ways. I mean, you may have the Doctor that you like, and then they're going to change him out. But if yes, at the know. end of this year. But at the same time, it's exciting because you might get someone new that you like as well. So yeah. you never yeah. know. Yeah. But back to Spider-Man. Someone's going to say something about Spider-Man. We got just a couple more minutes here. So who's going to say something about Spider-Man? Oh, I don't know. I still think I still think the trailer is a huge misdirect and that it's going to be a lot more. Um, it, it's going to point us more towards Infinity War than just be a standalone Spider-Man movie. I also do like that um, that Peter was name dropping the Avengers to his friend mm-hmm. and talking about how he, he called the Captain's Shield because that yeah. reminded me of my early days in the film industry where I was name dropping everybody all the time to everybody that I knew and now I've learned to keep my mouth shut because it's just it's it doesn't reflect well on me to name drop every few seconds. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But oh, believe me, with the MCU, I could name drop, and you'd be very shocked. But no, I'm not going to do it. Not on this podcast. Uh-uh. I could name drop, but you wouldn't be shocked and you wouldn't be impressed. But you, you, you'd know who I was talking about, but you wouldn't care. So I can't really name drop. So we're all good now. Yeah. It's like we have. It's like we have three strata. Yeah. Of of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can name drop people that you might have heard of and won't be impressed by. How's that? Boom. <laughs> That's the end of the episode right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So All right. there's our thoughts on Spider-Man Homecoming trailer. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening, everyone. Later. Bye.